Hello, fellow Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, the Ski Trivia Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. You can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever, at Powderhound Skis. You can also email me at powderhoundskitrivia at gmail.com for comments, questions, or corrections. I'm not going to lie. I love this annual episode. Cobbling together ski area news, pass and lift ticket information, opening dates, and so much more for the upcoming season is the definition of a labor of love. Other than waiting to load your first chair of the season, there may not be a better way to reset the stoke than learning what's new at a ski area near you. As crisp fall mornings tease long winter days, the usual reminders. Number one, tune your equipment. It's also tent season with ski swaps and expos galore. Number two, find your gear. Check those pockets for whatever contraband is left over from last season. Number three, mount those ski racks. Find that ice scraper, shovel, jumper cables, and first aid kit. While you're at it, Wirecutter suggests adding a handful of things to that first aid kit. CPR mask, tourniquet, gauze, and a splint. Hey, you never know. Number four, and my favorite, launch the annual ask. I still don't mean a fundraising pledge. I mean asking all ski and ride friends which season pass they bought. And if your passes do not align, use each other's buddy passes, pick a smaller ski area, not on either pass, and buy a lift ticket. As long as you buy the lift ticket before you go, it shouldn't cost too much. Other ways to make this ski season stand out, go ski a ski area you've never been to. Pick a ski area in a state you've never skied. Hit up two ski areas in the same day, day skiing, night skiing. As I've said before, checking out new to you ski areas will surely exceed your expectations. Our music inspiration is Vinyl Theater, Breaking Up My Bones. And no, I'm not talking about injuries. I mean, as these hopeless eyes stare at Ski Mag's article on mid-October snowfall, not just out west, but back east, with Whiteface in New York seeing early season snowfall. Even if your eyes need more convincing, I invite you to sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding. Powderhounds. Sources for today's episode, Ski Vermont, Ski Maine, Ski New Hampshire, Ski Areas of New York, Local Freshies, The Storm Ski Journal, New England Ski Journal, Ski, New England Ski Industry, Vermont Digger, Vermont Ski and Ride, Lift Blog, Mountain Gazette, Wirecutter, and likely a few more I can't remember. Alright Powderhounds, it's back, the fourth annual Ski Season Preview episode. I hope what follows will help you maximize the 2023-2024 winter season. As is tradition, two disclaimers. Number one, this preview is for ski areas in my backyard, the Northeast. 
That would be the states of Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, and New Pennsylvania. However, just the northeast portion that includes the Poconos. The three-hour-ish drive from my front door to Camelback is within day trip range. Number two, despite best efforts, I'm still going to miss stuff. As you may recall, according to National Ski Areas Association, there were 480 lift-serve ski areas that operated last winter season. That's plus 7 from the previous winter of 473. Of that 480, guess how many operate in the 8 northeast states? Yep, that's an early trivia question. From least to most, we start with Rhode Island, 1 ski area, Connecticut 5, Pennsylvania 7, maybe 8, maybe 9, depending on what you're counting, Massachusetts 12, Maine 21, Vermont 26, New Hampshire 28, New York 52. For a grand total of 152 lift-serve ski areas. So yeah, I'm going to miss plenty. We begin with last season. Where we left off. From Nashville's perspective, again, according to National Ski Areas Association, U.S. ski areas recorded record visitation for the 2022-2023 winter season with a total of 64.7 million skier visits. That is a 6.6% increase over last year's record season. While snowfall out west likely tipped the scales toward record-setting participation, even closer to home, that would be the Northeast, we had some similar statistics. We'll start with New Hampshire. Ski New Hampshire reported a 13% increase in alpine skier visits last winter season and 10% over the 10-year average. The state saw an increase to well over 2.2 million skier visits from about 1.9 million the prior season. Over in Vermont, Ski Vermont reports the 27 alpine ski areas reported 4.1 million skier visits for the 2022-2023 winter season, another 10% increase over the 2021-2022 winter season, and a 3.6% increase above the 10-year average. Vermont saw the fourth most visitation of any U.S. state, only behind Colorado, California, and Utah. Over in Maine, Ski Maine, despite a late start to winter and fairly lean natural snowfall, Maine's 16 alpine ski areas and 21 Nordic ski centers saw 1.3 million skier visits during the 2022-2023 winter season. It's the second most total visits in the state's history behind only the 2007-2008 winter season, which had 1.4 million skier visits during an above-average snow year. Moving on to weather. Four sources compete for the most accurate winter season forecast. We begin with open snow. According to open snow, a three-year La Nina streak is about to break, ushering in an El Nino winter season. Weather geek note, an El Nino occurs when sea surface temperatures across the central and eastern Pacific rise a half degree from the month prior for five consecutive three months periods. The phenomenon began this past spring, has continued through the summer, and according to the National Atmospheric and Oceanic Administration, is almost certain to stick around for the winter. What's more, this season is looking to be a strong El Nino, which has only occurred seven times since 1950. The last one was in 2015-2016, when the snow came later, but copiously during what was categorized as a warm El Nino winter. So where can we expect the best goods? Historically, the Southwest, California, the Pacific Northwest, and British Columbia has benefited most from a strong El Nino. 
In other words, it could be another banner season for Mammoth and Tahoe. One of the most confusing things about an El Nino year is that it tends to produce higher temperatures in addition to increased precipitation, which is why it could either be a boon or a bust for the Northeast. The lower elevations of the ski resorts could result in more rain than snow, depending on temperature threshold. We shall see. Farmer's Almanac, the 200-plus-year-old publication originally aimed toward agriculturalists, also calls for an El Nino year, but says that it will bring on a snowier and colder winter across the country. Like open snow, the Almanac says that the Southwest and California will make out exceptionally well. It also predicts that January and February will bring consistently cold and snowy conditions to the Northeast and the Midwest, and to also expect late spring snow at higher elevations. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration also agrees El Nino pattern will continue into winter. NOAA breaks things down into two categories, temperature and precipitation. Regarding temps, NOAA says to expect higher than normal temperatures in the northern portion of the country, as well as in the east, and a pretty average winter temperature-wise in pretty much all other portions of ski country. Pretty unexciting. So finally, AccuWeather for the Northeast. Get your shovels ready. Yes, we're ending on a slightly more optimistic note. This winter's weather in the Northeast is expected to be much different than last winter across most of the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. Some of the first snowfall accumulations of the season are typically linked to the effect of lakes when cold air blows over the comparatively warm waters of the Great Lakes to produce snow. As an example, two bursts of prolific lake effect snow pummeled Buffalo, New York during the first part of the winter season last year. The first took place in mid-November and unloaded up to six feet of snow that was followed by, unfortunately, a deadly lake effect blizzard just days before Christmas. While Buffalo may not receive as much snow as it did last winter, the millions of people who live along the Interstate 95 corridor are predicted to see more powder than they did last season. The window for snow-producing nor'easters will open in late January through February, which could dish out hefty snowfall amounts to Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, and beyond. An early season nor'easter can't be ruled out either, as the ingredients for a snowstorm may come together sometime in November. The uptick in snowfall will benefit skiers and snowboarders across the region. There may be some lulls in the snow season that could result in short-term setbacks for ski resorts, but a stormy end to the winter will help prolong the ski season across the Northeast. Quick note on entertainment and gear. First, it is film season, whether online or in person at the theater. Check out Teton Gravity Research, Legend Has It, Matchstick Productions, The Land of Giants, Blank Collective, Fortune Hunters, Level 1, Full Circle, Level 1, Who is Sim, Warren Miller, All Time, Here, Hold My Kid, Solomon, Quality Ski Time Tour. Lots of, that's just a sample. There's lots of other films out there. Go poke around and start getting excited. As for gear, Ski New Hampshire has listed a ton of gear swaps coming up in November. Locally, I know Ski Sundown, Mount Southington have uh, tent sales upcoming. Certainly plenty of others in every ski state. 
Snowbound Expo is also coming up on November 3rd and 5th up in Boston. Plenty to check out to upgrade gear, get yourself excited for the upcoming season. But I got to keep going ahead because we got a lot to get through. We start with season passes and lift tickets. Again, this is Northeast only. We'll begin with the season passes. Of course, the Epic Pass leads us out of the gate at 16 years old. It is your Mega Pass, i.e. Season Pass, but they also sell Day Passes. Sort of the bottom line is the better priced Mega Pass. There are eight Northeast partners. That would be Hunter in New York, Mount Snow, Okemo, Stowe in Vermont, in New Hampshire, Aditash, Crotchet, Mount Sunapee, and Wildcat. And of course in the Poconos, our new region, Jack Frost, Big Boulder, happens to be the same resort in Vail, for Vail Resorts. The news for Epic Pass, the shift to mobile. This ski season, you will carry your Epic Pass on your smartphone. You will download the My Epic app, which replaces the Epic Mix app. Put it in your pocket and go skiing. Vail's ticket scanners will sense the ticket via Bluetooth load energy technology. Now, the Storm Ski Journal did raise one tiny issue. Total, quote, total reliance on thousands of individual phones in sub-freezing temperatures in remote mountain environments? What could go wrong? End quote. The My Epic app also includes interactive trail maps, real-time lift line wait times, personal tracking stats, account information, grooming and snow reports, a direct line to ski patrol, snow cams, and resort charge linked to Epic Mountain Rewards discounts via barcode. Now, I'm not going to bother with pass prices since 99.9% of listeners have likely already bought their passes for this season, but we'll mention the notable products for the Northeast. We continue down with Altera's Icon Pass, six years old. The type of pass, of course, it's a mega pass, season pass, as well as session passes or day passes are also available. The bottom line, it's the better partner network in terms of mega pass uh, partner resorts. In the Northeast, there are eight. In New York, we got Wyndham in Vermont, Killington, Pico, Stratton, and Sugarbush in New Hampshire, Loon, and in Maine, Sugarloaf and Sunday River. And for Pennsylvania, the Poconos, new this year, there'll be Camelback and Blue Mountain. Also new network-wise, Alieska in Alaska, Snow Valley in California, and Schweitzer in Idaho. Now the past tiers, Full Icon Pass holders will receive at least seven days at each ski area with no blackout dates. The Icon Base Pass and Icon Base Pass Plus will include five days at each ski area with holiday blackouts at some partner resorts. Moving on to the White Mountain Super Pass, four years old. Season Pass for four of the largest New Hampshire ski areas. That would be Bretton Woods, Cannon, Cranmore, and Waterville Valley. The current pricing I saw was $1,389 for adults. And the past benefits included preferred parking on weekends and holidays. <laughs> and all partner passes, you save $20 on one adult full-day, full-priced Alpine ticket. Moving on to the Summit Pass, sometimes called the Massachusetts Summit Pass or the Berkshire Summit Pass. Years old, unknown. Uh, it's a season pass for the three Massachusetts ski areas in the Berkshires. That would be Berkshire East, Catamount, and Bosquet. I think current pricing was around $639 for adults. There are no blackout dates. And 
you can use it for night skiing. Moving on to the New York Ski 3 Pass, years old, unknown type of pass, season pass. It's unlimited access to the three state-owned New York ski areas. That, was, that would be Bel Air, Gore, and Whiteface. Freedom, moving on to the Freedom Pass, years old. Also, I couldn't find this. It's unknown to me. Type of pass, it's season pass, but with reciprocal benefits. Bottom line, the season pass for individual ski areas in that network that includes three free lift tickets at all the partner resorts, which have no blackout dates and no restrictions. The lineup of the Freedom Pass. In Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, you have Mount Southington is new in Connecticut. Uh, that would be 51 acres at 425 vertical feet, and Rhode Island uh, continues to have Yagu Valley. In New Hampshire, Black Mountain, McIntyre, and Whaleback. In New York, Scant Scantilles is a new partner with 33 acres on 350 vertical feet. However, the pass did lose Greek Peak, who is all in on the Indy Pass. And in Maine, Lost Valley is also on the Freedom Pass. Other partners to use those three no blackout, no restriction lift tickets at Bogus Basin, Idaho, Cherry Peak, Utah, Eagle Point, Utah, Eagle Crest, Alaska, Little Switzerland, Wisconsin, Masella, Spain, Red River, New Mexico. Moving on to the New England Pass, years old, still not sure, but in 2020 there was an annual flash sale, so maybe we'll use that day. Pass type, it's a season pass with some uh, res uh, reciprocal days. Bottom line, it's a pricey season pass for the three Boyne-owned ski resorts. That would be Loon, Sugarloaf, and Sunday River. I think the current pricing for a gold pass would be $1,600 for adults. Perks, you do get three days each at most Boyne-owned properties, including Big Sky, Brighton, Snoqualmie, Cypress, Boyne Mountain, Boyne Highlands, and Pleasant Mountain, formerly Shawnee Peak in Maine. And there are no blackout dates to use those passes. Okay, those are your season passes. Moving on to frequency passes. We begin with the Indy Pass. At five years old, it is a frequency pass. The Indy Pass now delivers two days and or discounts at 183 ski areas across four countries on three continents. In the Northeast, the partners in Connecticut, Mohawk Mountain, in Massachusetts, Berkshire East, in New Hampshire, Black Mountain, Cannon, Pat's Peak, Waterville Valley, and new this year, Dartmouth Skiway and Wellback. In Maine, Big Rock, Black Mountain of Maine, and Saddleback. In New York, Catamount, Greek Peak, Snow Ridge, Swain, Titus, West, and new this year, Maple Ski Ridge. In Vermont, Bolton Valley, Jay Peak, Magic, and Saskadena Six. And in Pennsylvania, in our Poconos region, Shawnee, Montage, and Ski Big Bear. Also, there's discounts. They call it the Allied Resort Program. Again, in the Northeast, in Massachusetts, that would be Bosquet. In New Hampshire, King Pine, McIntyre. In New, Ham in New York, Dry Hill and Scantillis. And in Vermont, Burke and Middlebury Snow Bowl. Uh, the Indy Pass was temporarily off sale, but is now back on sale. There are lots of blackout dates if you have the base pass, but if you upgrade to the plus pass there are no blackout dates and of course if your season pass is at any indie mountain you can just add on an indie pass for just two hundred dollars uh, new this year the indie pass will mail a physical pass to all pass holders uh, and that is to 
allow or enable some direct to lift access for partner resorts within the Etebeni systems. Uh, moving on to Mountain Collective. While it turns 12, sadly, there's only one ski area in the Northeast that's still on the pass. That would be Sugarloaf. So that's not really going to help us here. So I think we'll just move on. Uh, the main pack. The main pack is two years old. It's a frequency pass. It gives you four days at three main resorts. Uh, the main pack is the ultimate ticket pack for any main skier with four flexible days at Sugarloaf, Sunday River, and Pleasant Mountain. Use all four days at one resort or spread the love and visit all three. Choose unlimited with no blackout dates or limited for the best value. Now, the current pricing was $299 for limited, $369 for unlimited. Uh, Ski Cooper Pass, years old, uh, don't know. Pass type, it's a season pass for Ski Cooper in Colorado, but also has a reciprocal pass program, which gives you three days at 48 partner resorts, uh, eight of which that are on in the Northeast. Those eight are Mount Southington, new this year. In Massachusetts, Massachusetts and Rhode Island, you got Yagu Valley. In New Hampshire, you got Black Mountain, McIntyre, and Wellback. You do lose Dartworth Skiway. In New York, you got Platykill and Scanatelli's, and you lost Greet Peak, and you also have Lost Valley in Maine. Now, the No Boundaries Pass, we're moving on. This is also new, also too. It's a frequency pass. Uh, the bottom line is it's up to nine days of skiing for just $99. This year's No Boundary Pass is a completely virtual product that entitles the pass holder to either one Saturday or holiday lift ticket, or one Sunday and one weekday lift ticket, or three weekday lift tickets. At each of their partner resorts would be Tenney Mountain in New Hampshire, Granite Gorge in New Hampshire, and Mount Abram in, in, uh, in Maine. Now there is some work behind the scenes being done to try to add some new pass partners to uh, fill in the departed pass members. Uh, we'll leave that there for now, uh, but uh, make sure to keep track of where No Boundaries is headed this winter season. And finally, lift ticket promotional deals. Now, this unfortunately will be a quick segment <laughs> because most of the lift ticket promotional deals have since went on sale and have sold out. That would be Ski Mains Pass sold out when I checked, I think in early October, maybe even late September. Uh, but it was uh, basically two days at, uh, or gave you 28 individual lift tickets at the participating ski areas without blackout dates, and they were actually fully transferable to anybody who had them. Uh, ski New Hampshire, uh, their lift tickets went on sale a couple weeks ago. I think it was October 11th. As usual, within hours, the deals for the New Hampshire headliners like Bretton Woods, Loon Mountain, Ragged Mountain, and Waterville Valley were scooped up but there are still deals to be had on Cranmore, Dartmouth Skiway, Gunstock, King Pine, McIntyre, Pat's Peak, and I think that's it. But um, yeah, so you got to check. Those go fast, man. Those really go fast. Ski Areas of New York, they're continuing their Ski New York Gold Pass, a limited sale pass that entitles the holder to get one lift ticket a day at each member ski area during the season. Uh, it costs $1,500, but it's fully transferable. New this year is a notification list should you be interested in buying one. So it sounds like you need to submit, uh, email somebody if you want to buy one. Uh, so it certainly sounds like it's a uh, limited product. And finally, Ski Vermont. The Ski Vermont 4 passes went on sale on October 18th. 
for 194, gives you four days of skiing at participating ski areas, and it sold out quickly. All that said, there's still bound to be plenty of lift ticket deals to be had in season. You just got to keep your eye out, and when you see them, you got to buy it right away. Moving on to lift upgrades, terrain expansion, and more. We'll start in Connecticut with Mount Southington. The modernization of Mount Southington's lift fleet continues as the area's oldest chairlift is being replaced with a new Partick Triple. Yes, the novice North Star Double was installed in 2001, replacing a novice J-Bar. According to an industry source, the North Star Double has been sold to Lost Valley, Maine. So a little Freedom Pass partnership there. Moving on to Massachusetts, Berkshire East. Now, I couldn't find an update on this, but they will absolutely have a high-speed detachable chairlift running in time for this season. The lift line will follow a competition, the main face trail, landing near the true summit of Mount Institute, climbing about 930 vertical feet. Uh, the high-speed detachable chairlifts will also provide faster lift service, not just for skiers, but improve loading and ride time for the popular lift-served mountain biking operations in the summer. How about Ski Ward? For funsies, on August 5th, Ski Ward posted a photo on Twitter, X, whatever, <laughs> showing a massive pile of snow. Now, the, uh, the caption read, Snowmaking test was a success. But they also tease the potential early November opening if temps cooperate. Let's put a pin in that. Moving on to Maine. Big Rock. Big Rock Mountain signs contract with Doppelmayr USA to purchase fixed grip quad chairlift. Yeah, they raised $4.2 million of the $5.4 million cost and will be installing the lift in the summer of 2024. So not this season, next season. Those four-person chairs will be spinning in time for next season. Big Squaw. They, Friends of the Mountain announced on October 22nd they had entered into an agreement to acquire a 13-passenger snowcat from Partial, Colorado. The vehicle will carry skiers to the top of the ski area, expanding the vertical drop from 660 feet to a whopping 1,700 feet. A Borvig triple chairlift currently serves 660 vertical feet of terrain. Now, in conjunction with the announcement, the 501c3 nonprofit is selling 12 ride packages for $250 as well as private rental sponsorships. Uh, the Friends of Big Squaw or the Mountain are, are also still running their GoFundMe page, trying to raise uh, $60,000 is their goal uh, for the winter operations this season. Moving on to Sugarloaf. Also doing some work over there, Sugarloaf, the most significant endeavor at Sugarloaf since the installation of the Superquad, the West Mountain Project will transform more than 450 acres of exceptional terrain, adding a new high-speed lift, a dozen new trails, and the rare opportunity for current and aspiring Sugarloafers to build the custom ski-in, ski-out, slopeside home of their dreams. <laughs> Uh, logging to clear the new trails and lift line is now underway with all expected to open during the latter half of the 2023-2024 season. So that would be this season. Moving on to Sunday River, the new Barker six-pack, new Doppelmayr D-line six-pack. 
Installed this summer, it will be one of the fastest Sixers in North America, cutting the nearly 1,400 vertical foot ride time to just over four and four and a half minutes, 30 percent faster than the current lift, and move 3,250 skiers per hour. This will be the second D-line lift at Sunday River after the Jordan 8, of course. The Barker 6, as it will be known, will come decked out in the same Sunday River red color scheme as the still-new Jordan Lift and will sport bubbles and heated seats. Now, Sunday River will also add a second Doppelmeyer triple to Merrill Hill, its newest terrain pod. This lift will run 750 vertical feet and will serve three new runs on the peak's backside. While this will be an additional ski terrain open to all, the point of it is to grant ski-in, ski-out access to several additional lots on what is essentially a gigantic real estate development. Work uh, the past summer also included significant snowmaking enhancements across Aurora, Oz, and Jordan Peaks, as well as Southridge. Sunday River already has one of the world's most powerful snowmaking systems, approximately 2,000 snow guns around 400 of which can blast off at any given time. The mountain invests annually in snowmaking, and this year's enhancements will further the long-term drive toward automation and enhanced coverage in key areas. Moving on to Vermont, Pico. Yes, the Summit Express Quad got an all-new haul line over summer of 2023. Skiers and riders can enjoy a more comfortable ride on the Little Pico Triple, thanks to new seat pads. And if you spent any time inside the base lodge, they've repaired the fireplace. Uh, they've also rebuilt the snowmaking pump house, enabling operating at maximum capacity, especially during the coldest days. The pipeline between the pump house and pond is being upsized as well. They've also added 25 new high efficiency snow guns to the fleet, both fixed and mobile. Moving on to Middlebury, very exciting news out of Middlebury. There's going to be a new quad replacing the Sheehan Double, a 1984 Pama lift, with a new Skytrek quad. Quote, woohoo, the lift towers are all up. What an amazing sight it was to watch the skillful chopper operation deliver each tower to its location where the ground crew was able to receive and bolt them into place. End quote. Also at Middlebury, night skiing. Night skiing will be on four trails off the Sheehan, Lang, Kelton, Cameron, and the Discovery Learning Area. And will be operating Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evenings from 4 to 9 p.m. Also worth noting at Middlebury, there's a new season pass product. A punch card comes with every season pass. So, what it means is each pass holder will include will receive a punch card good for four lift tickets. This solves, as was observed, I believe, by the storm, this solves a season passer's greatest irritation, dragging along cheap-ass procrastinating friends who can't be bothered to buy anything in advance but also don't want to donate along to pay for a Saturday lift ticket, or the friend who has an icon pass and is horrified by the idea of paying for another day of skiing beyond that massive investment. <laughs> The card is the punch card is transferable and has no blackout dates. Super cool, super cool idea. Uh, and at Middlebury, skier visits popped twenty percent this past winter, after soaring sixty percent during the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two winter season. All right, moving on to Killington Six Peaks Village. 
Killington Mountain Resort will move ahead with plans to build a new ski village with 1,500 residences, including workforce housing, after Killington voters approved Phase 1. The vote allows for $47 million in infrastructure improvements. The reconstruction of Killington Road will take place in four phases over a six-year period. Construction is of the first phase is underway. Magic Mountain. Magic will have RFID to access the lifts this winter season. And speaking of lifts at Magic, the Black Line Quad is expected to finally spin this winter. Quote, Fister's crew has been here this week working on the Summit Quad bullwheel, making sure that we'll be ready for load testing. As mentioned last week, the new haul rope goes on soon with final splicing work for mid-October. Then all chairs will be put back on for final drive and tower comms work to prepare for state inspection and load testing for this new ski season, end quote. I hope so. Stratton. Stratton will have RFID this winter season. Mad River Glen has, a pro- has proposed adding a mid-station to the sunny side double, allowing the mountain to spin the lift before snow falls on the upper mountain. Smuggler's Notch. The gondola project is not quite on windhold after all. I don't have all the information, but Vermont Ski and Ride had a great feature article about the proposed connection of Smuggler's Notch, uh, Sterling Mountain to Stowe's Spruce Peak. And finally, Sugarbush. Sugarbush will have a new eatery, the Black Sheep Bar. They also uh, renovated the lodge. Uh, the, the base lodge uh, received a $1 million renovation. Let's move on to New Hampshire, shall we? We begin with Atitash. The plagued Summit Triple will be replaced with a new high-speed quad. Moving on to the Balsams, for what it's worth, Les Otten nears the starting line on his ambitious plan to revive a historic ski area and resort deep in New Hampshire's Great North Woods. Quote, the permitting process has been horrendous, he says. We lost three years to the pandemic and the financial markets are not kind to new resort development. He adds, admitting, if I knew I'd spend the last eight years working at this level... I wouldn't have done it, <laughs> end quote. That says, uh, that says a lot, but who knows? It's still possible. Black Mountain in New Hampshire. So lots been written about Black Mountain in the last week or so, but the bottom line is it will operate this winter season. They're calling it a bridge year, thanks to the help from Etebeni Systems, who's going to be doing a lot of their back-end management and, while they look for a new buyer. Moving on to Cannon. Cannon Mountain can move forward with major improvements to its iconic aerial tramway after the state legislature approved an $18 million appropriation. Now, this happened uh, a few months back, but uh, DeVivo, the general manager, hopes work can begin by summer 2025. The original Cannon aerial tramway first took flight in 1938. The current tram was installed in the late 1970s and opened in 1980. It has had several major upgrades since and is due for another. Moving on to Cranmore. Cranmore is moving forward with its 30,000 square foot Fairbank Lodge. The prior lodge was demolished in 2022 with makeshift base area operations in place last winter. The new lodge, which is topped by two floors of condominiums, is scheduled to open this winter season. Excavation has started for future development to the north of the facility. Gunstock, the Summit Lodge is receiving a 16 by 30 foot addition, the base facility a 24 by 67 foot addition for rentals, and the Stockade Lodge an interior overhaul for weight serving dining. 
Loon Mountain. Loon unveils a map of new Timbertown expansion. Loon unveiled the trail map for its new South Peak expansion area. It's called Timbertown. Chairs are already being hung on a new Doppelmeyer fixed grip conveyor quad chairlift, which will serve 12 trails and two glades. The new train is predominantly novice and provides enhanced access to the escape route parking lot. The new trails and lift are expected to debut this year. Mount Sunapee will install more parking. Waterville Valley has constructed a deck adjacent to its re recent main lodge addition. The new setup and recently installed bubble six-pack chairlift are now being used for weddings. And Wellback. Wellback has taken delivery of SunKid parts. The small ski area is reportedly planning to install a new lower mountain surface lift. The lift is not yet on the trail map. In my experience, having been there when the Summit Double closed due to a maintenance issue, it would be really good to have a new lower mountain surface lift. Moving on to New York, Bel Air, Lift 7, a new Doppelmeyer fixed grip quad is under construction and will cross the access road and land adjacent to the Lightning Quad. Lift 7 gets an upgrade. The old lift, a 1986 riblet triple that loaded above the Mid-Mountain Overlook Lodge has been demolished. Because of its awkward location and the limited amount of terrain that it served, most skiers would bypass the lift and ski down to the Bel Air Express. In recent years, Lift 7 has mostly served as a park lapper. It will, re it will be replaced again with the new Doppelmeyer fixed grip, eliminates the old lift shortcomings. Rather than loading above Overlook Lodge, Lift 7 will now cross the parking lot and load slightly downhill and skiers right from Lightning, creating a more seamless top to bottom experience for skiers coming out of the Discovery Base who no longer need to navigate over to the Bel Air Express to reach the East Summit. Cacogny in New York goes back on the market for $3.5 million just one year after being listed for $6 million and two years after reopening following a decade-long closure. The description invites buyers to create their own vision, have yurts built, tent sites, snowmobile trails, horseback riding. The old lodge could be a great brewery site as legit covered stage would, could provide entertainment. The main lodge was built in 2019 with 10,000 square feet of space. This lodge hosts 300 guests. But my favorite part of the ski area property listing is it comes with its own airstrip. With some grooming or put in some blacktop and the airstrip can be functional again and would allow private pilots to land for an overnight. Holiday Mountain, new trail map, which shows a new trail, lookers right, the return of turkey trot terrain, and the future return of the terrain above North Lodge. Another holiday update, this time at Holiday Valley. Holiday Valley has updated its trail map to show Mardi Gras Express is now a six-pack, though it's not yet available on the interactive map. Old Hickory is still awaiting liability insurance for its antique Pama operation. Wyndham Mountain Club has been rebranded. It used to be Wyndham Mountain, now it's Wyndham Mountain Club. The mountain will continue to be open to the public with season passes and ticket products available, but will also offer private club memberships that include members-only dining options, activities, and amenities. The rebranding is part of Wyndham's first master plan update announced in July, in which the resort will invest more than 70 million in enhancements over the next several years, including snowmaking, and lift upgrades to the Eastside Express and additional automated snowmaking with increased efficiency. 
Automation has been added for this season on Upper Wolverine, Lower Warpath, and Way to Go. In addition, the mountain will open four new restaurants this winter, one exclusive to members. And moving on to our new area, Pennsylvania, Poconos. Admittedly, this is not in the Poconos, but felt worthy of being shared since it's three hours from the Poconos. Denton Hill Ski Area is reopening. Out of its 22 trails, most are geared towards beginners and intermediates, but there are two that need to be highlighted. It's home to arguably one of the steepest trails in the east, Avalanche, a supposed 66-degree pitch, as well as the gladed trail leading into Avalanche and sharing its pitch, the extreme, rated a triple black diamond. The article goes on to say what will get Powderhounds excited, though, is its location. Located in the upper elevations between 1,800 and 2,400 feet above sea level, it gets pummeled with lake effect snow averaging over 100 inches per year. Combine that with its remote location and other larger ski areas closer to major population centers, it doesn't get the crowds either, making for a special place in the east. Moving on to opening dates. Talk about lightning round. ASAP, Keystone, A-Basin, November 3rd, Loveland, November 9th, Mount Rose, November 10th, Breckenridge, Mammoth, Vail, November 13th, Copper, November 17th, Alta, Heavenly, North Star, Park City, Bear Valley, California, Boreal, Woodward, Tahoe, China Peak, November 18th, Purgatory, November 22nd, Beaver Creek, Crested Butte, Palisades, Tahoe, Big Sky, November 23rd, Whistler, November 24th, Dodge Ridge, Soda Springs, Sugar Bowl, Whiteface, December 1st, Kirkwood, Stevens Pass, December 2nd, Sierra Tahoe, December 7th, Diamond Peak, December 12th, Lee Canyon, December 13th, Ski Tavern, Nevada, December 15th, Mount Shasta, December 26th, June. Yeah, not a whole lot in the region there. <laughs> But I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that soon because here we go. We got ourselves another race to open. I call this version of the game can't wait for eight state opening day fates. As I've added the Poconos of Pennsylvania to the Northeast region theme, otherwise creating the eight state region. So here's a recap of the actual 2022-2023 winter season openings in the Northeast at number one. The Shocker, Sunday River, edged out Killington, I think by a few hours. Tie for third was Sugarloaf, Bel Air, and Gore. Then followed by Stowe, Okemo, Whiteface, Sugarbush, Bretton Woods, Hunter. Followed by Mount Snow, Wyndham, Bristol Mountain in New York, Loon, and Wachusett in Massachusetts. So by state, Last year, again, earliest openings would be in Maine, Sunday River, of course, Vermont, Killington, of course, Massachusetts had Jiminy Peak, New York had Gore, New Hampshire had Loon, Connecticut had Mohawk, Rhode Island, of course, Yagu Valley, uncontested, and Pennsylvania, again, Poconos region only, had Shawnee Mountain. So this year's race to open bracket, I basically took the same headliners, our 1 through 12 the usual suspects, if you will. But then I wanted to reflect, make sure all eight states had at least one ski area included, and then utilized two open first last year, essentially to set the bracket. With one exception, I actually put in Ski Ward because of that early August teaser of opening perhaps in November, 
and that ended up booting out Wachusets from this bracket. So here we go, uh, the 2023-2024 winter season race to open bracket. Number one seed, of course, Sunday River, Maine. Number two seed, Killington in Vermont. Number three seed, Sugarloaf in Maine. Number four seed, Bel Air in New York. Number five seed, Gore in New York. Number six seed, Stowe in Vermont. Number seven seed, Okemo in Vermont. Number eight seed, Whiteface in New York. Number nine seed, Sugarbush in Vermont. Number 10 seed, Bretton Woods in New Hampshire. Number 11 seed, Hunter in New York. Number 12 seed, Mount Snow in Vermont. Number 13 seed, Shawnee in Pennsylvania. Number 14 seed, Mohawk Mountain in Connecticut. Number 15 seed, Ski Ward in Massachusetts. Again, they teased that early November opening back in August. So because I had to, I had to get in Rhode Island's only ski area in the bracket at number 16, Yagu Valley, Ski Ward boots Wachusett out of this bracket challenge. If you're still with me, I'm just going to go by gut instinct here, unlike last time when I actually compared the history of opening days from the previous season. This is going to be, this is going to just be gut instinct and to keep things fun. So I'm going to advance automatically. Sunday River, number one seed, of course, is going to beat Yagu Valley uh, in the 116 matchup. In the uh, 215, of course, I'm going to go with Killington there. They're going to beat Ski Ward, pretty sure. Uh, the 14-3 seed, I'm going to definitely stick with Sugarloaf, uh, edging out Mohawk Mountain in Connecticut. The number 13 seed taking on the number four, uh, pretty sure I'm going to go with Bel Air and the Orta ski area over Shawnee in Pennsylvania. Uh, the 12-5, those are always a bit of uh, upset, upset cities. I'm still going to go, you know, I'm going to take the upset. I'm going to go with Mount Snow over Gore. The 12 seed there over the 5 seed. Stowe, number 6, taking on Hunter. I think I'm going to go Stowe. Yeah, feel pretty good about that. Let's go Stowe there. And then 7, taking on 10, that would be Okemo in Vermont. Number 7, taking on Bretton Woods. The 10 seed in New Hampshire. You know what? I still, I still like my Bretton Woods pick from last year. They weren't that far behind, if you think about it. So I'm going to go Bretton Woods, the 10 seed, beating Okemo the seven seed, and then the eight, nine, Whiteface is the eight versus nine, Sugarbush. Uh, I'll go Sugarbush, I'm gonna do the bush at number nine. So Elite Eight, number one seed, Sunday River versus number nine seed, Sugarbush. Again, Sunday River, I don't think they wanna give that crown up easily. I'm gonna advance Sunday River to the final four. Uh, lower in the bracket, we got the 12 seed, Mount Snow, taking on the four seed, Bel Air. You know, I like Mount Snow. They uh, they're really they're really clicking this this last season. Had a good experience, really long season. Let's go Mount Snow there. Gonna be gonna upset the order property, and then we'll go on the other side of the bracket. Uh, two seed Killington on uh, taking down ten seed Brenton Woods. I want to move on Brenton Woods there, but I I feel like Killington's got to have some redemption this year. I'm gonna move on Killington, the two seed taking down the ten seed. And then that just leaves us with Stover Sugarloaf. And wow, I think you gotta go Sugarloaf here. It's it's just so far north, uh, all that expansion. Although maybe they're gonna be busy with that. And you know, Stowe has posted their opening dates. And you know, I'm gonna take that back. Let's go Stowe. The six seed beats beats the number three seed here. So our final four, number one seed Shunday River, taking on the number 12 seed Mount Snow 
versus the six seed Stowe taking on the number two seed Killington. Let's start in the bottom. Uh, Killington absolutely is going to beat Stowe, no doubt about it. In my in my in my head, both in Vermont, if not the entire region, we go Killington Redemption Tour. Looking on the other side of the bracket, you know, I think Sunday River spent a whole lot of money doing a whole lot of uh, lift expansion, terrain expansion. They're going to be so focused on that. I think Mount Snow is going to open early. I'm going to go with the 12 seed, upsetting the number one seed, Sunday River. Mount Snow taking on Killington for the first in Vermont, first in the region to open. Of course, I'm picking Killington, Altera, Overvale Resorts, avenging last year's loss. Now, if you thought this episode would end with the race to open, the can't wait for the eight-state opening date fate bracket challenge, you'd be wrong. Bonus segment, eight trivia questions for each Northeast state. Question number one for Pennsylvania, our Poconos edition. How many ski areas are located in the Poconos, and we will count Jack Frost and Big Boulder individually, despite Vale's desire to connect them? Is it A, six, B, seven, C8 or D9. Our question number two in Vermont. What is the name of the former official trail that connected Smuggler's Notch to Stowe? Yes, Sterling Mountain to Spruce Peak. And that is a fill in the blank. Number three, true fall. Oh, this is Connecticut's question. True false, Mount Snothington and Ski Sundown offer free NASTAR racing. Question number four. This is the main question. How much did Sunday River raise when selling the original Barker double chairs? A, $77,000, B, $98,000, C, $112,000, or D, $132,000? Question number five, the New Hampshire question. What ski area has the largest vertical drop? A, Bretton Woods, B, Cannon, C, Waterville Valley, or D, Wildcat? Question number six, the Rhode Island question. Yagu Valley is Rhode Island's only ski area. How many days did it operate last winter season? Now, it sits on 36 acres with 245-foot vertical drop and is 13 miles from the coastal community of Narragansett. Is it A, 17 days, B, 37 days, C, 57 days, or D, 77 days? Question number seven, the Massachusetts question. There are only three ski areas in southern New England, that would be Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, with a, with a high-speed detachable chairlift. Name them. So this is more of a pick-all-that-apply. Uh, Berkshire East, Catamount, Jimney Peak, or Wachusett. And question number eight, New York. According to a ski article on October 17th titled Early Snowfall Blanket Ski Resorts Across the U.S., what New York ski area received an October dusting? Is it A, Kissing Bridge, B, Snow Ridge, C, Titus, or D, Whiteface? All right, pencils down from the top. Pennsylvania, how many ski areas are located in the Poconos, uh, counting Jack Frost and Big Boulder together? Uh, the answer is B, 7. So my count, there's going to be some debate here, and I alluded to that at the beginning. If you look on a map, you'll see why. But it seems that it is clear Blue Mountain, now on Indy, is one. Camelback, now on Icon, is two. Montage, already on Indy Pass, is three. Shawnee Mountain, also already on Indy Pass, is four. Jack Frost, Big Boulder, 
Oh, we're counting them separately. That would be five and six. They're on IPAC, uh, on Epic. And then Ski Big Bear, now on Indie, is number seven. There's Elk. There's, I think, an Alpine Valley. There's a few other ones sort of there, but that's, if you look at the map of the Poconos, that's, that's what I came up with. So there you go. Question number two, the Vermont question. What is the name of the former official trail that connected Smuggler's Notch to Stowe? That would be Snuffy's Trail. Yeah, according to Brian Lindner in a 2013 Stowe magazine story, quote, there are at least three versions of how Snuffy's, the trail that leads down the backside of Spruce Peak to Sterling Mountain, or the Smuggler's Notch ski area, got its name. Snuffy's probably came from the nickname of a longtime employee of Stowe Mountain Resort, Fred White, a regular old cigar chewer around the resort who was nicknamed Snuffy. I also was able to find a 1979 Smuggler's Notch trail map showing two green circles, the To Stowe Trail and the From Stowe Trail off Rum Runner. Question number three, the Connecticut question. True, false, Mount Southington and Ski Sundown offer free NASTAR racing. That would be true, and count me in this season. Ski Sundown in New Hartford has free NASTAR racing on Thursdays from January to February 2024 from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. down the trail, Gun Barrel. You don't even have to go each week. All you have to do is register for NASTAR for your racing ID and buy a lift ticket on the nights you want to ski. Plus, we, that would be Ski Sundown, are the only ski area in the region that offers a second groom at 6 p.m. to give you those fresh corduroy conditions that you crave. Question number four, Maine. The main question. How much did Sunday River raise when selling the original Barker Double Chairs? A, 77000 B, 98000 or C, 112000 or D, 132000 The answer C, $112,767 to be specific. The proceeds were donated to Maine Adaptive, the River Fund Maine, and MSAD 44 Daycare Initiative. The original Barker was a 1971 Pullman Berry double chair that ran alongside three T-bars that crawled up Lock Mountain. It was the resort's first chairlift. So yeah, $112,000 to own a half century's worth of ski history. Makes sense. Question number five. The New Hampshire question, what ski area has the largest vertical drop? Bretton Woods, Cannon, Waterville, or Wildcat? The answer, Cannon, 2,180 vertical feet. Wildcat, right behind them at 2,112 vertical feet. Question number six, Rhode Island. Yagu Valley is the only ski area in Rhode Island. How many days did it operate last winter season? 17, 37, 57, or 77? The answer, 77. Yeah. Despite averaging only 48 inches of snow per winter, Yagu Valley was open for 77 days, at least 77 days, for the last five years, and actually was able to open on December 8th, 2019, and made it 100 days that year. Question number seven, Massachusetts. There are only three ski areas in southern New England, that would be Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island with a high-speed detachable chairlift, name them. Well, actually, I could have just said there are only three ski areas in Massachusetts uh, with, <laughs> with high-speed detached chairs. Uh, Berkshire East, Catamount, Jimney Peak, or Wachusett. Again, you're picking all that apply. Well, you're picking three. 
so the one that you're not picking would be Catamount. <laughs> yes, Berkshire East will have a new Summit Quad this year that will be detachable. Wachusett has three detachable quads. And Jiminy Peak, they have a six-pack detachable quad, the Berkshire Express. The only six-pack, I might add, in southern New England. And question number eight, bringing us home, according to that ski article on October 17th, what New York skier received an outdoor dusting? You probably know this already because I said it earlier, that would be Whiteface. Quote, it's early for an East Coast mountain to have seen its first snowfall, but Whiteface is living up to its name with an early blast of winter that dropped a few on the Lake Placid Resort earlier this week. End quote. Get excited, folks. That's it. Thanks for playing. Start making those ski trip plans, Powderhounds. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? Email me at powderhoundskitrivia at gmail.com. You can also follow me on, well, that whole thing, at Powderhound Skis. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. I'm